Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer as we start this morning. Father God, as we ponder the mysteries of the calling you have for us this morning, may the Holy Spirit fill us. May our ears be silent so that we can listen to what you have for us. We ask it in your name. Amen. Her strict Presbyterian parents named her Sarah Addison Pollard. But this strong-willed girl did not like that name. She liked Adelaide better, so she adopted it. Adelaide was frail and suffered from a host of physical and psychological problems. She was diabetic. She experienced great periods of deep depression. She suffered debilitating collapses that forced her to go back and live with her family for long periods. She attended many sessions of healing to help her along the way and to help her get rid of her diabetes. There was one other thing that Adelaide was consumed with, and this was foreign missions. A calling that seemed to constantly slip away from her. When she was finally given a call to Africa, she was forced to leave in only a few months because of the outbreak of World War I. She spent the war years in Scotland and then returned once again to her family in the United States. Here, during one of her deep depressions, she attended a prayer meeting, but she was distracted and found it very difficult to concentrate. But in one moment, she heard something that seemed to resonate in her. In her dark mood, she heard an old woman say just before she prayed, It's all right, Lord. It doesn't matter what you bring into our lives. Just have your way with us. That evening, Adelaide returned home where she meditated on Jeremiah 18, 3 through 4. She thought, Perhaps the questioning of God's will shows a flaw in my life. So God has decided to break me as a potter broke the defective vessel and then to mold my life again in his own pattern. She bowed anew to this resignation and to God she gave her life again. And the words of a poem began to form in her mind. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will, while I am waiting, yielded and still. Like Adelaide, in the days of Jeremiah, the need was great. The people needed to be remolded. In the image of God, they were flawed vessels, their lives were spoiled, and they needed to be reshaped according to the divine potter's design. Jeremiah was in great trouble almost all of his ministry, and he had many questions for God. To many of God's acts, too many of God's acts to him seemed a mystery. 
And God seemed to hear Jeremiah's voice and answered him. Do you have questions for God? Are you wondering about God's actions in your life? I don't think I'd be mistaken here this morning to say that in each one of our lives, there are present moments and even past moments where we asked God for an immediate answer and were greeted with silence. Out of my own experience, I would say that something like this seems to happen almost daily. Every day I want to ask God, I need the answer to this problem. Why don't you write it on the chalkboard for me? How old I am, chalkboard, okay, greaseboard, whatever you want to call it. Although we all learn how to walk by faith and not by sight, and to learn how to trust our Lord, not because he gives us answers like a computer program, but we live for him, we trust him, because he has shown us so many things before. We read in Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. There are so many things we do not know. And those of you that are hungry to find these answers, I hope that you will pay attention today because we will talk about this direct line to God. The prophet Jeremiah was deep in trouble. His own people did not want to listen to him. His own people tried to poison him. They did not care for God. They had no time for his word, and it broke Jeremiah's heart. His own people put him in prison. The king he worked for would burn his messages as if they were nothing. They disrespected his opinion. He was ridiculed, mocked, and humiliated. They put Jeremiah in the city sewer. It seemed like the place where they could get rid of him. Jeremiah still had the strength to wake up every morning and ask God to love his people for which he ministered. Why did he pray for this love? Because if not for love, Jeremiah could not keep doing his ministry to the stubborn people of Judea. In order to serve people at this level, the way Jeremiah did, he had to love those people. It was his ministry, it was his call, but it certainly was not his career. An English member of parliament sat before his large desk one night, pondering documents on the slave trade. William Wilberforce was a rising star in English politics, And several of his acquaintances had challenged him to look at British slavery slavery through the eyes and the lens of Jesus Christ. He wasn't naive. He knew that most of his contemporaries viewed slavery as an ugly and brutal but necessary evil. Almost certainly opposition to it would bring his career to a screeching halt and earn him the hostility of powerful enemies, including the royal family. 
But as Wilberforce studied the facts of God's word, he became convinced of God's will. On October 28, 1787, a Sunday, he wrote these words in his journal. God Almighty has set before me two great objects. The suppression of the slave trade and the reformation of manners or public morals. William Wilberforce already had a career. He was a politician. But on that night, he found his calling. A God-given mission that galvanized his energies for the next 50 years and eventually transformed British and other societies. Few questions. There are a few questions that are easier to answer than what is your career? This is a question that is easy to respond to and say, what is it you do that earns money for you? But if someone were to come off the street and say, what is your calling? We tend to hesitate. We tend to stumble. Christians are a called people. We have not only been called to Christ, but by his grace, we have been called by Christ for the presence of persistence of his purposes in this world. We are a people with a calling. We have been shown that over and over again in the last two weeks with Dr. Max, who was here with us the past two weeks. That calling may include, it may include a career. But it is bigger than a career. It is the unique purpose of a holy God for our lives. That special place where our gifts and skills and experiences connect with the needs of the world and the purposes of God's kingdom. Jeremiah had put everything on the balance. He sacrificed his career, his talents, freedom, comfort to be the follower of Christ all because he had accepted the call of God. In chapter three, 33, we find Jeremiah in prison. He got there not because he gave someone a visit as a chaplain, not because he was a minister to a local church, but because he was, there, he was put there because of the word of God which was spoken through his mouth. There in a dark room, he probably had many questions in his mind. He was trying to exact, understand exactly what happened to him and to his nation. During his trouble and his worries, he sent, God sent a message to him. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. How many times would we call God to get the answer? When the doctor tells us that there's not much hope for you and you have kids to raise, would you have a question for God? When your personal life is being torn apart by issues and relationships and you feel you are alone in the world, do we have questions for God? When your parents or children do not understand the walk that you have with the Lord, and you are say that and say that you are a fanatic 
in following the commands of our Lord and Savior. You see how your own family fills your hearts with poison and betrayal. Do you have questions for God? When you have been betrayed in your relationships and feel as if someone has stabbed you with a large knife in your back, and that hurts worse than any death itself, do you have questions for God? Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. We do not know many things about our lives, and we wish we could know more. That is why I encourage you to come to God today and just claim the verse, the calling given to Jeremiah, and ask God to help you with your questions. Although I am not God and never intend to be or act like him, I would like to give you some answers already. When you have trouble and you are facing unpleasantries in your life, please remember that God is working on your character now and his defined purpose is to get you ready for heaven. God never lied to anyone and he will not lie to you. He has promised all of us who are his followers that we will have trouble in this world. You see, because when we accept God and we begin to understand his calling, the devil will not like this. He will bring trouble to us to turn us away. That is a promise. That is why Jesus warns us, when you follow me and do what I say, you will see trouble coming your way. But cheer up, because it means you are following in the right direction. Jesus works on your character and wants desperately to share his character with us. And even though the result is great, the, profit, the process can be painful and full of tears. The cloth called linen is actually stronger than cotton. Its origins go back to ancient Egypt. And there seems to be a consensus among scholars that the Romans were responsible for the spread and trade of this cloth around their empire. During the Middle Ages, when there was stiff rivalry between the producers of linen and the wool industry, the use continues even to this day. But linen is a complicated fabric. It begins with a flax plant. When the plants are mature, they must be pulled out of the ground by hand in order to get the longest possible stems. The plants are first aged in water or left to be moistened by dew and rain. After the seeds have been removed and the flax plants are dried, they can become a use, useful as a strong waxy fiber that is softer and more flexible than straw. Next, the flax must be processed. The fibers are combed, rolled out, sorted, so the cellulose is removed from the fiber and only the smooth cell material remains. 
In order for it to become thread, it must be spun just like cotton or wool. Finally, dyeing and weaving will create the fabric that can be made into clothes, tablecloths, and other articles. As God worked in human history, he often uses links and complicated processes. Just as we cannot get linen without the right process, so God in his infinite wisdom knows the route that is best to achieve his goals. We may not know why he chooses a particular method, but we can be sure that he knows the straightest path is not always the best path. Sometimes we feel like we are being moistened, dried, spread out, processed, combined, combed, rolled out, sorted, and then the process is repeated over and over again. To which we exclaim, Jesus, have mercy on me. That is what Jeremiah was feeling every single day. There is another statement that compares with this, and that is, a diamond is the same substance as graphite. The substance that you use to write with a pencil. But a diamond is graphite having withstood pressure. So at times you cry out to God for an explanation. Please remember that he did not promise you a life without trouble. He promised you life and life with him. And a, that will not separate you from his grace. Paul, the apostle, wrote in Romans 8.35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? When Jesus works on our character, it may not feel great, but the end result is eternal life with him. So at times of despair, please remember that God is not done with you yet. God initiates the conversation and asks us to call out for him. When Jeremiah needed it the most, God came to him with the call. Call on me and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. The South African activist and former president Nelson Mandela helped end apartheid in South Africa. As a member of the African National Congress Party beginning in the 1940s, he was the leader of a resistance movement against the white minority and oppressive regime. His actions landed him in prison for nearly three decades and made him the face of anti-apartheid movement both in his country and internationally. Released in 1990, he participated in the eradication of apartheid and in 1994 became the first black president of South Africa, forming a multi-ethnic government to oversee his country's transition. After retiring from politics in 1999, he remained a devout champion for peace and social justice in his own nation and around the world until his death 
in 2013 at the age of 95. So in order to become the first black president of the South African Republic, he had to go through a lot of trials, suffering, endure opposition, arrest, jail, and prison for 30 years. Some people would say, I would not want to go through that for any presidency. It's too high a price. But those who would go through it would understand what he was fighting for. Those that do not understand did not, would not fight or continue to fight for something that was your calling. His fight and purpose was not for the position of power, but rather he had a dream in his heart that the people of his nation would not suffer apartheid and oppression within their own land. He did not dream primarily to have the presidential office, but rather he dreamed that his children and grandchildren would be able to live in peace and equity. He dreamed that his nation would be educated, have jobs, and not be deprived on the basis of color. He also could have a few questions, I think, for the Lord. Where were you during my 30 years of prison? Why did it take so long? But he finally did accomplish his dream. Turn after turn in Jeremiah's life, the world and the troubles beat upon him, soaking him in his own blood and drying it out in hot sunshine. When he was deprived of food and freedom, he was possessed like a high quality, he was processed like a high quality linen, refined like high quality gold, and had a, much suffering and pain. Jeremiah went through all of that with many questions in his heart. The love of God would come to him in the most difficult time and talk to him and comfort him and tell him that God knows all the pain he goes through. Jeremiah did not quit because he had a dream that his people would turn their hearts to God. Nelson Mandela did not quit until he saw the rights of his people restored. Sarah Addison or Adelaide Pollard did not quit when all things around her seemed to push against her being a missionary. But God in his mysterious plan had a way of molding our lives like the wise potter shapes clay and a wise artist makes a high piece of art. In the process, God allows pain and agony, uses desperate efforts and dreams to get us to the place to be prepared to be used by him. When God tells us he knows how many hairs are on our head, he knows what we go through. So please, instead of giving up in your efforts to follow him, hear his offer. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So many things we do not know yet, and God is ready to answer all of your questions if it will help you on your way to heaven.
And if not, please trust him that his silence is the best answer. Keep moving forward. Keep trusting his guidance. And one day you will see his face and ask him face to face all the questions you want. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me, O make me, after thy will, while I am waiting, yielded and still.